0: You're listening to the Eyes on Conservation podcast, episode 64. Welcome to the iZone Conservation Podcast, where we bring you engaging conversations about wildlife conservation from all across the globe. I'm your host, Matt Podolsky. Today in the show, we have a very special interview to share with the captain of the Sea Shepherd Conservation Society's Operation Milagro, Una Isabel Leo. This interview is particularly special for a few reasons. First of all, it was recorded in person on board the RV Martin Sheen, one of two boats operated by Sea Shepherd that have been patrolling the waters of the northern Gulf of California since this past fall in an attempt to stop illegal gillnet fishing and save the vaquita. This interview is also special because of the extreme urgency of this issue to save the vaquita. As you may have heard, if you've been following this issue three dead vaquitas have been recovered in the past month, all of which have been confirmed to have died from entanglement with gillnets. With a population that is likely at 50 or fewer individuals, finding three dead animals is a big deal, and it's likely that these aren't the only recent casualties of illegal gillnet fishing. Two of these three dead vaquitas were found floating out at sea by the Sea Shepherd crew, highlighting the importance of the work that they are doing in the northern Gulf. The Sea Shepherd Conservation Society was founded in the late 1970s by Paul Watson and has become infamous for its often aggressive tactics towards addressing marine conservation issues. The group's current mission to save the vaquita, dubbed Operation Milagro, which means miracle in Spanish, is something of a break from that aggressive approach in that they have established a cooperative relationship with the Mexican Navy. Operation Milagro has operated two boats within the Vaquita Refuge since this past fall, and the primary mission throughout that time has been to assist the Navy in enforcing Mexico's ban on the use of gill nets throughout the area. Their presence in the Gulf has been extremely important to Vaquita conservation efforts, and it is difficult to imagine what this situation would look like without their involvement over the past year. So we're extremely honored to have Captain Una Leo as a guest on today's show Let's jump right into the interview. All right, I'm here with Una Isabel Leo, who is the, uh, the captain of Operation Milagro um, with the Sea Shepherd Conservation Society. And we are here on the RV Martin Sheen right now, which is really cool. This is the first podcast episode that we've done on a boat. That's very exciting. Um, so thanks, thanks for being here with us, Una, or thanks for inviting us onto your boat, I should say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, you're very welcome.
0: So, I'm curious to learn how how you got involved in um, Sea Shepherd.
1: I uh, grew up on a, on a sailing boat, and uh, my home is actually like the sea, and I grew up diving a lot. We would dive like maybe two or three times per day, and I realized that uh, all the places that were full of wildlife, marine wildlife, uh, when I got back to them, they were uh, very often completely destroyed. They were like dead zones. And all these beautiful marine wildlife was completely gone. And I was in a very short amount of time. So it really uh, killed me to see that and I really wanted to make a difference. I wanted to invest my life on something that really matters to me. And I don't think there is a better fight than the fight for life. So that's why when I crossed paths with Sea Shepherd, it was just perfect because I had all the skills to uh, be a captain. Uh, That's what I studied before. And I had the patience to uh, invest my time on this fight. So I was supposed to join them for three months, and now it's been five years.
0: When did you first learn about the vaquita?
1: I first learned about the vaquita when um, Paul Watson told me that there was this... uh, this endangered marine mammal that needed help in the Sea of Cortez and that they received lots of letters uh, from here, from Mexico, saying that we should uh, go and help the, the vaquita. And so then Sea Shepherd, everybody at Sea Shepherd, started talking about the campaign. And I happened to be in L.A., so it was on board the Martin Chin. So that's how we, uh, we decided to come here and assess the situation. So the first Milagro campaign was to... Uh, to make contacts and to investigate on what was the situation so then we could come back and have a plan uh, to save the vaquita.
0: I'm wondering what your first impression of, the, of this area was. I mean, had you, had you ever been to this, this region before?
1: Uh, no, that was the first time that I sailed to the Sea of Cortez, to the Gulf of California. And when I first arrived here, I was very surprised because I was expecting the illegal fishing activity to be only happening at night. And it was actually very shocking. It was full, full, full of illegal fishermen all over the Vaquita refuge, day and night, never stopping fishing. And so I was really thinking that the Vaquita didn't stand a chance at that point. Uh, and now, uh, with all the efforts, the difference is its huge. It's, it's amazing. Like This place is so much calmer than before. The problem is that there is so few Vaquita left that we really need to stop all completely any illegal fishing activity and that's been hard there is still illegal fishing activity happening at night
0: so when you first came here this this two year uh, gillnet ban hadn't yet been implemented right so you're mm-hmm. comparing you know before and after this gillnet ban and it's certainly good to hear that there has been this really noticeable difference in the amount of illegal fishing activity out there but you know, how, how did you find sort of that niche of, like, what role Sea Shepherd could play to help the Vakita?
1: Well, we I first came and got the opinion of most of the people that have been working on the subject for way more time than us. And then I kind of study what for me would be the best solution and what is really impacting the vaquita population so we know the nets are killing the vaquita and uh, I l- learn about these nets that are hidden under the sea and that are just trapping the vaquita and it's not possible to see them because there is no boys on the surface so I, just, I start thinking it would be great to have a hook and to drag it behind the ship and retrieve those nets and so we've been working on different kind of hooks and it took a long time to <laughs> find the, the right one that would catch the nets uh, and find them. Uh, then we are in Mexican waters and we are not uh, representing the law. Sea Shepherd cannot arrest anyone. So it was very important that the government of Mexico take the right actions to stop the illegal fishermen. Um, so that's why it was very important to get in touch with the government and work with the Navy. So the Navy came to the scene because the president of Mexico and the Mexican government decided to invest their Navy. And that's huge because no country that I know ever invests their navies on saving an endangered animal. So working with them, it's been, uh, it's been very interesting and amazing Thing to do, and I hope that the navies of the other countries will invest their time on our planet too, and saving lives.
0: I'm wondering what what it was like, you know, uh, sort of making first contact with with the Mexican Navy. I mean, how did you approach that? You know, um, uh, was was that a difficult process establishing that relationship?
1: Uh, estash, establishing the relationship with the Navy was first establishing the relationship with the Mexican government. So I first uh, got introduced to the people that are working uh, for Semarnat or uh, Profepa and Conamp. And then, just by talking to them and explaining what we would offer and how we wanted to work, they opened the doors and say that they were, uh, happy to have Sea Shepherd here helping. And then they would introduce, they introduce us to uh, the Navy. So it comes, it came from the top. Like it didn't came from just me walking to the Navy and asking help. <laughs> I first, uh, asked help to, um, the secretary of the environment.
0: So you, you mentioned, uh, these hooks that you're dragging behind the boat to, um, to drag up these illegally placed gill nets. By the time you had sort of perfected that system, um, was that during the time period that that this two-year gill net ban was already implemented?
1: Uh, yeah. So the gill net ban uh, was implemented in April uh, 2015, and when that happened, the difference during daylight was huge. Um, no more illegal fishing. I mean, slowly, no more illegal fishing activity during daytime. Uh, But we still didn't have the tools to retrieve uh, those nets. And we didn't have the right boat neither. We were here with the sailing boats because we were here to investigate on the situation and make contacts. And then on Operation Milagro 2, we came back on December 2015. And that's when we started uh, looking for nets, Start to see how we could retrieve them, start to work on our hooks. And it's not before February that we find the right tool to retrieve the nets. And then it was a whole process of uh, working on the strategy. And then we try also to spot illegal fishing camps on land. So we have drones uh, flying and spotting fishing camps, reporting them to the Navy. Uh, the Navy now is going to those fishing camps and seizing all the gear. So, yeah, it's like we would like improvise every day, we would learn more and adapt our strategy.
0: Once you had perfected this system and you're dragging this hook behind and and pulling up these illegal nets, um, I mean, how many nets were you capturing and and were you surprised by what you were seeing?
1: Uh, Yes, it was very sad to witness that the sea was very much full of illegal nets we find like an average of one net per day and now we're finding even two two nets per day or one net in a long line so yeah even if you don't see it from the surface the sea is still full of illegal nets and that's because at night time they could go and put more nets and and lately we've been removing all the nets and we find new nets so we hope that uh, we could reinforce the 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 surveillance and the patrols so those uh, illegal fishermen cannot go at night and put new nets when we retrieve them Mm. oh and yeah it was very shocking to see uh, all the wildlife that was caught on those nets we found uh, a white shark we found whales we found rays it's not only the vaquita that is dying uh, capture on that net it's the whole ecosystem Um, so it's important to retrieve all those nets.
0: Does it feel like you're doing the navy's job? Like you're you're doing what should be their responsibility to do to enforce this ban?
1: No, we're not doing the navy's job. We're working with the navy. So the navy is also having their ship out, and they're also looking for nets. And we are uh, sharing strategies. Uh, we are gonna give some hooks to the navy, and they tell. We work really together. So it's a it's a. It's an alliance, and they have their their ship out. They have their helicopter looking for uh, illegal camp. It's just like uh, the more ships are out there looking and retrieving nets, the more efficient we are. So it's just a matter of being uh, more people fighting against the illegal fishing activity.
0: Are they using the same, same, like, hook system that that you guys sort of perfected over time i mean did you like share that with them and now they're out there doing something something similar
1: well they have their own uh, hook system and they came on board and they look at us our so now we're gonna give them our system so like this they can uh, look at it and see maybe they can improve it and tell us how to improve ours so that's how we're working really together we're learning from each other and the navy of course is the navy so they they had a strategy, they're really good, but we help as much as we can.
0: The last month has been, has been pretty crazy for you guys. Um, I mean, maybe you can just sort of tell us what's happened over the past month.
1: Yeah, the past month has been really, really sad because we found uh, three dead vaquitas. Sea Shepherd found two dead vaquitas floating on the surface of the sea. And that was very discouraging because uh, knowing the amount of vaquitas that are supposed to be left, uh, it losing three vaquitas is dramatic, and it's been hard because we really are doing all our best, and it's been improving. All our our efforts are are doing uh, are getting some results, and so we would we would think that that it gets to a point where there is no vaquita that can die anymore. But even like that, now it's like high Totoaba season. So the illegal fishing are coming at night and trying to hit uh, really worse than before. Like They're putting more nets, they're going. Oh, and it's also the Corvina season. And that had a huge influence because now the Totoaba fishermen are hiding behind Corvina pyramids. So when we control them, when the Navy controlled them at night, they say they were out to fish Corvina, and they're just coming back. When before the Corvina season, any fisherman that was out at night had no reason to be there. And, yeah, that, that has been pretty hard uh, to witness that they allowed the Corvina season to happen.
0: Yeah, so I mean this this Core Venus season is basically like a like a loophole, right? That that was created when they passed this 2-year ban. Um I mean, did you uh, did you guys know about this? Like did you know this was coming, you know, when they first passed that 2-year gillnet ban? I mean, it it just seems seems bizarre to me that, you know, they they passed this Supposed mm-hmm. complete blanket ban and the use of gillnets like oh, but except for this one particular use, you know
1: Yeah, it's really it's really uh, It doesn't make any sense to do a gillnet ban and allow the Corvina season to happen Corvina is fish with a the gillnet the, They say it doesn't catch uh, vaquitas, but uh, I heard some people saying it does and the problem is that it doesn't cast Vaquita because it's not supposed to stay more than thirty minutes on the sea. Uh, but if there is no someone on the on the pangas and watching those ships fishing all the time, of course it's gonna stay more than thirty minutes. Uh, and to retrieve a net that is full of Corvina apparently takes more than thirty minutes because it's heavy. So and they're fishing the Corvina in a very fragile place that is like the uh, the nucleo, the zona nucleo, which is where all the corvina and fish go to reproduce, and that 's where the totoaba is too so it 's really easy to put that to like if I was an illegal fisherman, I would probably use also a corvina uh, permit to go out there and hide my uh, totoaba net behind the corvina net so yeah it's it 's not a it 's not a very um, clever thing <laughs> that happened. <laughs> And yeah, it's not helping the vaquita.
0: I don't know. I, I I just I just wonder, you know, what it what it feels like to be. I mean, you guys have been out here on the water for a, a long time, dedicating so much time and energy to saving this species, and then to see, you know, three dead vaquitas within such a short time span, and knowing how few of them are left. I don't. I mean, what is what does that do to uh, the sort of sense of morale on, on, on the on the crew, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's really hard to uh, to see those uh, vaquita that are dead, and it has a big impact on the crew morale and on everybody's morale. But uh, we know that we're here to face uh, a very important problem, and that we knew it was not going to be easy. So we just have to keep. Our efforts and try our best, and don't lose hope. Because if we lose hope, then then she's, the vaquita is really dead. Without, if everybody gives up, then there is no chance. That's why you have to keep going.
0: I mean, is there is there anything that folks who are learning about this issue, maybe for the first time, that you could point to that that they could do to help?
1: Uh, yes, education is uh, the best uh, best way. So. To inform the population, so this kind of uh, um, situation doesn't happen again. So if people share information and educate their kids, schools should teach more about the environment and how important it is to us. How how everybody, how, how any living species on this uh, planet is important to the whole ecosystem, and so how you should respect your ecosystem to be able to stay alive. And I don't think schools teach that at all, which is completely illogical. <laughs> to me, it's like more important than maths or French <laughs> or English. <laughs> yeah, and also denunciating. The people that live around this place and see illegal uh, fishing activity happen, they should call the Navy and tell uh, what's going on. or call. We, they can call Sea Shepherd also. We will pass it on to the Navy.
0: You know, these these fishermen who are going out and, and fishing illegally for tatuaba, obviously they're doing it because there's this crazy high reward um, for yeah. catching a tatuaba because the swim bladders can sell for so much money on the Chinese market. Do you guys see these fishermen, like, as the bad guys? Or is it, like, the system that has sort of created this situation where there is this bizarre demand for this swim ladder, this fish.
1: It's It's been very sad to witness that uh, the poor people here are willing to risk their life and go at sea during the night, during weather bad weather conditions. They die trying to catch uh, the totoaba uh, so they can have money to feed their families, but actually this money doesn't reach these people that are risking their life and everything doing an action that is actually uh, killing their future generation. Uh, But it's it's getting the money to uh, those people that are sending them at sea. And at the end of the scale, it goes to Asia where the product is sell uh, four times the price And it's really the people over there that are getting this money. So the real bad people are those that are making all this profit. And the problem is really the demand. So the demand is in China, in Asia, and that's where if this stops, then everything stops. So it's really important that the Asian government uh, enforce their laws and enforce their their police and to stop this, to stop the, the whole traffic.
0: You know the Mexican government steps in, imposes this mm-hmm. two year ban on the use of gill nets. It's not a blanket ban on fishing. it's just a blanket ban on a a certain type of fishing but the the sort of perspective that I think a lot of local people here have, which I think all of us have heard, is that the government banned fishing, you know mm. um because that the the use of gill nets was far and away the most common way that people fished. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's, you know, the perspective that a lot of people in the local community have is that the Mexican government just stepped in and said no more fishing, you Mm -hmm. know. At the same time, the Chihuahua fishery, like, that was already an illegal fishery. Do you have any sense, or do you think anybody has any sense of, like, what, like, how many people are out there illegally fishing for Chihuahua now versus before the ban I mean do you think it's more people because these fishermen just aren't allowed to go out and fish for other products
1: it's very hard to say because being an illegal activity of course there is no studies really and there is no uh, numbers so uh, it's like when you ask about the price of the totoaba, most the authorities always say that uh, they don't really, they have an idea, but don't really know because it variates, it's illegal. They don't have any studies on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the ban of the nets, um, I don't know uh, how much it influenced um, on that way, like that the good fishermen are now going at sea to fish. Um, Totoaba. I don't know if that is happening, but I know that fishing with nets all around the world shouldn't be allowed anyways because the bycatch is way too big, and it's really not sustainable. And I don't understand that we ever had the permission to fish with nets.
0: One of the things that is, is really unique about the vaquita, in my mind, is that it is so elusive. And it you know it it's so difficult to see, even when there were a lot of them, and now there's so few of them, right, as I'm sure you know, I mean there are a lot of people in the local community that that refute its very existence and which is just seems so bizarre. These are the people that are living here in this community, and they don't even believe it exists because they've never they've never seen one so i mean I guess the the, the question to you is. Uh, Like, what kind of connection do you feel with this species after working on this project? And how does that bond sort of form and develop, given the fact that you so rarely catch a brief glimpse of the animal itself?
1: Seeing and witnessing that all these people don't believe that there is vaquitas on the water, Uh, it's kind of crazy because we spoke to marine scientists there have been studies for years and years that have the proof that the vaquita exists there is pictures so uh, the people that are saying that the vaquita doesn't exist is just because they want to keep going with their actions and they know that if they start believing on the vaquita they will not be able to continue fishing since we're protecting the vaquita but um We already find... Unfortunately, we find three dead vaquitas. So that's another proof that the vaquita is out there. Um, And yes, most of the people don't see what's at sea and they don't have the opportunity to go sail. But it doesn't matter. It's not because you don't see things that they don't exist and it's not because you don't see them that they're not important. So that's another matter of education. And when I... Came here, and they told me about the vaquita. I really connect with any species that is under the sea because they all have their importance on the ecosystem. So it doesn't matter if it was the vaquita or the totoaba or a very ugly fish or a cute dolphin. They all need to be saved.
0: But I mean, you did. Uh, I mean, you did have one of the first sightings. Of a living Vaquita um, mm-hmm. early on in this project. I mean, I believe it was the first, there was at least the first imagery that had been captured of the species at all since 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that, that must have had, had an impact on you and, and, and sort of you know, led to the development of this, co- this connection that you maybe feel with the species. I mean, what was that like?
1: The day we saw the, the Vaquita that was swimming alive around our ship. Uh, it was really magical because we spent uh, two months uh, patrolling the, the place without seeing any and the only thing we could see was illegal fishermen, illegal fishermen and nets. And so I was thinking that, she, I was starting to think like, yeah, like how can she survive? Like there is no space here for her to swim, there is only nets. And so seeing this vaquita, it was two days after the gillnet ban. So it was really a message of hope It was really like her coming to us Saying like I mean it's a bit corny what I am going to say But it was really like she was Coming and saying please come back Don't leave me alone I'm here like I'm still alive So it really Was a lot of joy To see these animals Swimming alive yeah. And it's been pretty sad to see that This time we only saw Three deaths
0: What's next for you?
1: Um, the Totoaba season up north is going to uh, stop, but the Totoaba keeps going south. So we are looking at uh, maybe helping protecting the Totoaba south. We don't know yet, so I'm trying to see that. And I'm just keep going with other campaigns. Uh, sea Shepherd has always a lot of work to do on the, on the oceans. And we never stop, so I'm just going to keep working on other things, and I'll be back for the next season, Uh, so in October. We'll be back here for Milagro 3.
0: Well, thanks a lot for joining us for this special podcast episode on board the, the RV Martin Sheen. We're hoping for something miraculous to happen, right? Like we need another moment, like what what you experienced, you know, uh, two days after that Gilman uh, went into went into effect. Yeah. But I mean, thank you for everything that you do. I mean, the work that you guys have been doing here, uh, I don't I, I don't even want to think about like where the Vichita population would be like if you guys weren't out here like doing this really important work over the past few months. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that, and thank you for coming on the show. And uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun.
1: Well, thank you for having me, and uh, I hope uh, that uh, Operation Milagro has uh, the right name, and it's going to be a miracle, and we're going to the, save the vaquita. And, yeah, we'll try doing our best. And thank you for, like, sharing all this information with the world.
0: <laughs> all right, that was our conversation with Captain Una Isabel Leo from the Sea Shepherd Conservation Society. Una and her crew have undergone a lot over the past few months with the recovery of two dead vaquitas, as well as lots of other wildlife found entangled in illegal gillnets. We truly appreciate her willingness to share her thoughts on this extremely difficult task that they have undertaken in the Gulf of California. The vaquita would undeniably be in an even worse situation without the help of Una and her extremely dedicated crew. As you may know, if you've been following our blog for our latest film project, Souls of the Vermilion Sea, we've been documenting Sea Shepherd's work in the northern Gulf for the film, and we were honored to have the chance to board the RV Martin Sheen for a second time on our most recent trip to San Felipe, Mexico last week. Although I am back in Idaho for the moment, Sean Bogle and Brenda Razzo will be continuing to document new developments in the region through the end of this week. So check out our Souls of the Vermilion Sea blog for additional updates from the field. You can find that blog at vaquitafilm.com. You can also learn more about the Sea Shepherd's Operation Milagro over on the show notes page for this episode, where we'll have links to learn more about the work of this important organization, and check out some of the videos that they've put together documenting the process of retrieving these illegal gillnets. Those show notes can be found at wildlensinc.org EOC64. This episode was produced by myself, your host, Matt Podolsky, with assistance from our Souls of the Vermilion Sea crew, Sean Bogle and Brenda Razzo. Our theme music is by The Humidors.